0: No, I thank the Lord at this time um, we're going to present to you Elder Julian Watkins um, in his own way again we thank you um, God for what he is doing here at New Life thank the Lord for Brother Watkins Elder Watkins who's our um, Tuesday night Bible class if you don't tune into our Bible class you're missing something you are truly missing something so, I, um, without further ado, Elder Watkins. Presence once again to be in the land of the living, to be here present with the saints of God in the house of God on this yet another Good Friday. I am thankful that we have the victory, not in what we do and who we are but we have the victory in what Jesus Christ has already done what he did 2,000 years ago on the cross when he died for the sins of the whole world making it possible for us to be here today and celebrating in this manner because if Christ be not raised from the grave we are still in our sins we are without hope in the world we are still dead in trespasses and sins and we might as well go ahead and eat, eat drink and be married because tomorrow we die that's what the apostle paul said in first corinthians chapter 15 i had a eight page powerpoint presentation that i was prepared to bring to you but we're gonna go ahead and the reason why i said what i said earlier is because we have the victory in jesus And our brother Peter, he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father, right? In heaven revealed this to you. And it is that truth that he built the church upon. Not Peter, right? Because Peter had some issues. I'm glad the church was not built upon him. But it was upon the truth of the gospel message, the word of God. And then this is the part I like. And this kind of is relevant to this situation that I find myself in right now. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Is that right? So this is what remains of the file, the PowerPoint, can't open file. Office can't find presentation. It may have been moved, renamed, or deleted. But today I am glad that the gospel message that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who came and not only was born, but he lived for us. Right? And then he died for us. And then he didn't stop doing stuff. He rose again on the third day, right? And then he didn't just raise again on the third day and walk around for 40 days showing himself to believers, but then he ascended on high and there he sits at the right hand of God the Father in power. And then he's still not done because he is going to come and gather up his church, right? The rapture. And then he's still not done, right? After the tribulation, he'll be back, right? to reign for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. He's not done yet. And that being the case, it cannot have been moved. It has not been moved. There is no other name. It has not been renamed. It's still Jesus. He's the only name, right? And he definitely cannot be deleted. People have been trying to delete him for a long time. But he can't be moved and the church can't be moved, right? He can't be renamed because there is no other name given by man, right? Given on earth whereby man must be saved and he's still here and cannot be deleted. And his blood still has its power. So we're going to do this the old-fashioned way. And we're just going to go ahead and get into the word of God, if that'll come up. If not, I'll go grab me a Bible somewhere. We can still do this. We have two last sayings that we need to say here this this afternoon. And the first one comes from the book of John. The book of John. John chapter 19. And this is what he said to his mother and what he said to his disciple And we know this to be John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we're going to go ahead and read John chapter 19, verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now, the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let us not tear it but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. We're going to get into that particular passage because that is significant when it comes to one of the the words of Jesus that we will be doing uh, this morning, this afternoon as well. And that comes from Psalms chapter 22 the words of the psalmist david and we are not just going to look at psalms 22 1 but i do want to read for you in the context verses 1 through 19 because it gives us some insight into what jesus was actually dealing with when he was on the cross and some of the situations and circumstances that surrounded his crucifixion but we are going to get into verse 25 and it says here therefore the soldiers did these things but standing by the cross of Jesus were were his mother his mother's sister Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene there was a whole lot of marys there around the around the cross and we know that uh, the one that maybe we don't know uh, or many of us don't know the uh, the sister of mary Uh, we know that uh, that was Salome some people call her salami and that's not right because salami is the name of an Italian sausage so that is not what her name was it was Salome and Salome we can see in the book of Mark and in the book of Matthew which made reference to her that she was the mother of the sons of thunder but she was also the uh, sister of Mary the mother Of Jesus. So we have four women that were here at the cross, along with at least one of the disciples, and his name was John. He referred to himself as humbly, he named himself what? The disciple whom Jesus loved, because he didn't want to name himself in this gospel. But he did affectionately refer to himself as. The disciple whom Jesus loved. So when Jesus then saw his mother, now think about this. Jesus, as Elder Miguel, we had just explained, had been whipped to the point where he was not even recognizable. He was suffering from a medical standpoint, probably from congestive heart failure. He uh, had organs that were showing his heart was shutting down his his uh uh, kidneys were shutting down uh he had suffered catastrophic injuries to his dermis which is his skin and the organs and bones were showing at this point but our lord and our savior continued to think about the needs of others he had already thought about the thief on the cross who was dying and he's still reaching out and trying to save folks while he's hanging on the cross. He's asking God, Lord, don't lay this to their charge. They know not what they do. He's still looking out for others. And here we see him looking down and we see his mother, his mother, who more than likely was a widow by this time because her husband, Joseph, was probably already dead. We don't hear a whole lot about Joseph, do we? Hmm? We have to believe that he more than likely died at some point and that she was a widow. We also know that Jesus was the first son that she had, right? And we know the circumstances by which he came into existence, but he did have some half-brothers as well, James and Jude, right, of note. But we know that at the time of the crucifixion, they had not come to faith in Jesus Christ as of yet. So we see Jesus still trying to make sure that his affairs and the affairs of his family and his his loved ones had been taken care of. And we see that along with his mother, there was the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. And it says here, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Behold, all right? What is he saying? not just look at him, right? He's saying to her, this will be your son from this point forward. I will not be here with you in the flesh anymore after this, but he will be your son. And it wasn't that she just needed a son just so she could go around and tell the rest of the women, I got a son. In those days, you had to have, the women had to have, someone to take care of them because they didn't work nine to five jobs, not all of them, right? They didn't have the means by which to take care of themselves. So they needed a patriarch in the family, whether it be their husband or a male son to take care of them. And this went way, way back into the Old Testament. We know how it is that uh, uh, Ruth and Naomi, they, 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 the whole kinsman redeemer, right? We won't get into that. But we find here that Jesus tells his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he says to the disciple, behold your mother. He's talking to his disciple also, making sure that he understands exactly what his request is, right? The son knows, the the disciple knows that this will be your mother. The mother knows that this will be your son, and he is taking care of the needs of his family now I say family because his mother is his family but guess what John was also his family right but you might say well wait a minute preacher you just got done telling me he had two half brothers James and Jew why why would he give his mother to somebody who was not his blood relative in that way that was not as close to him in that way and Jesus answered his own, that, that question for us in another part of Mark and also in Matthew. Uh, we have an incident when, and and I would have had this, the, the verse and all, but I can cite it. You all probably are familiar. Uh, Jesus was with the people and he was teaching them and he was inside. And then uh, his his mother and his brothers came and they, they sent word for someone to go inside and tell Jesus to come on out because uh, uh the mother, Mary, was out there and uh, his brothers, right? And they were looking for him. And then Jesus said something. He said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? That's what he asked, the question. And then he looked around the room to those that were listening to the word that was coming out of his mouth, the word of God, that were listening intently, his disciples, those that had become members of the family of God. And he said, it is not those that are my mother and my brother, but it is these who hear and do the will of the father. They are my mother. They are my brother. So we know that Jesus in this instance, let us know that blood, blood in terms of biology is not as strong as his blood, right? The blood of Jesus, right? The family of God is an eternal family. Is that right? You got families down here that might not last. You got families down here that might die out. There might be one male heir, and he might be the one last one with the name, right? And he don't have any male sons. And guess what? There goes the name. He may not have any children. There goes the line. It's gone, right? They become extinct. But guess what? Jesus cannot be deleted, can he? he cannot be removed right and it cannot be changed can it right cannot be changed and will not be changed and cannot be deleted his blood will never lose his power and as many people that you see that come to the foot of the cross guess what there's always still room for more right always more room at the foot of aren't you glad today that there's room because we got some family and some friends that we need to make room for, don't we? We can't just sit here and be content with us four and no more, right? <laughs> the ones in your own family, right? And and just say, you know what, the long as we get and that's okay. There is still room. And Jesus is showing here once again that he is looking out for the needs of others. From that hour it says, from that hour the disciple took her into his own household. Now, notice something. Jesus, uh, when he told John about this, John didn't say, you know what, Uh, that's not exactly what I had planned to do with the rest of my life, Jesus. I mean, I I feel bad for you that you hanging on this cross. But that's not exactly what I had planned on doing. I got my own affairs to take care of. Right. Uh, He didn't say, you know, uh, you know, don't don't you have like two half brothers that I mean, they would be better suited to to actually take care of your mother. I mean, there is some some kin there. Right. They can actually do that. Right. But John didn't do that, did he? He didn't say, you know what, let me have a, a a day, maybe a week or two to think about it and try to see if I can arrange some things at the house and maybe we'll see how things. he said from that hour. That's what Jesus is calling for, right? Huh? He's not asking for you to, to think about it. He's not asking for you to, to wait a few and get this done and get that done right now. And he said right now, from this moment, I will accept your mother as my mother, right? And I will be her son and take care of her the way in which a son is to take care of a mother. Let's go to this next word. The next word comes from the book of Mark chapter 15, verse 33 down. It says, when the sixth hour came, It says darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. So we know that the sixth hour is what? 12 noon, which is why we showed up here at 12 noon. We've been here, according to the clock, nine minutes exactly. We didn't set the clock. All right. So we've been here an hour and nine minutes, right? (laughs) All right. We'll take care of that. Time flies when you're having fun, right? All right, so 12 o'clock, from 12 to 3, darkness fell upon, it says, the whole land. Not just part of it, but the whole land. Uh, you ever seen it get dark for three hours straight from 12 to 3? Has that ever happened? Some have tried to suggest in the past that it was an eclipse. Some of you have been here long enough to have witnessed several eclipses, right? Others maybe saw one, depending on how old you are, right? But an eclipse does not last for three hours, does it? And it does not cause darkness to completely cover the land, even when it does happen, right? At that brief split time moment when when the moon is like right in front of the sun, guess what the sun is still doing right around the moon? is still shining ain't it and you can still see that the sun is there and that's why they tell you don't ever look into an eclipse right you might blind yourself doing that because the sun and in this case we talking about the son but i'm talking about the s the s the s o n right s o n not the s u n but the s o n is still shining today And that is something that we need to be happy about, that the SON is still shining and that there is nothing that can cover up his light. So in this instance, we see that from the sixth hour, which is noon until 3 p.m., darkness fell over over the land. And then it was at that time, at the ninth hour, that Jesus cried out with a loud voice, that had to be quite astounding i I imagine that the roman soldiers probably had never seen somebody who had already been on the cross since 9 a.m right go all the way up well be the beatings and all that stuff from 9 a.m all the way up to the time he was on the cross and the way that he looked to have any energy whatsoever to be able to even whimper to be able to even to, to to whisper but he cried with a loud voice, it says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And that was a question that he was asking, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As I said, we want to be able to go ahead and look at what he was actually saying in the context in which he was saying it and we can find that in psalms chapter 22 starting at verse 1 he was quoting david the psalmist and this gives us some insight into what it was that jesus was dealing with not only physically but mentally and spiritually as well and Throughout this passage, you even see prophecy being fulfilled. Now, guess what? King David and Jesus were not contemporaries. That means they did not live at the same time, right? We're talking about hundreds of years prior to the crucifixion of Jesus. David penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groanings. O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praise of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed but I am a worm and not a man a reproach of men and despised by the people all who see me sneer at me they separate with the lip they wag the head saying commit yourself to the Lord let him deliver him let him rescue him because he delights in him yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb you made me trust when upon my mother's breast Upon you, I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a raving and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melting within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shard and my tongue cleaves to my jaw and they lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my help, hasten to my assistance. This is what Jesus was dealing with. David thought he was dealing with that, but not like Jesus, right? David had some troubles. He had some things that came against him, right? But he never got to the point of where Jesus had to endure these things. David was a man after God's own heart. Jesus had the heart of God because he was God. David was a king. But Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords, right? David thought that his enemies was going to kill him. Jesus was killed by his enemies, but he rose again, didn't he? And overcame the grave and ascended on high. But as a man, he was speaking, right? Right? Throughout all of his last sayings, he was speaking as a man, and he showed his, huma- his hu- humanity as he reached out to, to try to see if he could give forgiveness for those that had done what they had done to him. As he reached out to one of the thieves on the cross, he had equal opportunity. Both of them had equal access to Jesus because Jesus was right there between them. One could not use the excuse, well, Jesus was on the other end, so I couldn't hear him. Didn't have that had equal access but only one repented and the other did not is that not a picture of the world that we live in today is that not a picture of even in the church is that not the picture of you and your own families and me and my own family equal access but not equal outcome right Just because you teach them, just because you give them the word, does not mean that they will be saved. And it was just the same way with the Lord of glory, the Savior, the one who did not bring the sacrifice, but was the sacrifice, our great high priest, who is the sacrifice, who was the sacrifice, and he offered himself up. Lastly, verse 35 and 36 Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave him a drink saying, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. At first glance, you might think that they gave him some wine to kind of help him a little bit as a as compassion. But we quickly find out that was not the reason why they did it. They wanted to prolong his suffering. They wanted to prolong his life so that they could continue to be amused and entertained by what was happening to Jesus. They thought, well, maybe Elijah will come, right? Who was Elijah? He was the forerunner. Let's see if the forerunner will come and save the one that he was supposed to be the forerunner for. But we know that John the Baptist was the one who was crying in the wilderness, right? And he was one who was like Elijah, right? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, saying, Mate, straight the path right? And repent. They offered him this cheap wine that the soldiers used to drink. And all it would have done is just kind of deaden the pain a little. But we know that Jesus had to suffer the whole weight of sin, which was being poured upon him. And this is why he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus. For the first time in all of eternity, God had turned his back on him and covered his eyes. The heavens had been darkened, right? No light was upon the earth at that point, at that, in that area. And we know that that was to show that God cannot look upon sin. And Jesus, our great high priest, became sin for us. He became the sin offering and the sins of the world, past, present, and guess what? Even the future. All of them, the sins that you go out and sin right to today or next week or next year, guess what? He had to pay the price for those sins. Because if you're guilty in one sin, you are guilty in all. And if you're not covered, you're getting judged. So that is why we cannot sin with a high hand. We should not sin with a high hand because those sins are laid upon Jesus. The question for us today is, were you there? Were you there when they pressed that hard, sharp crown of thorns into his head and blood came streaming down? Were you there when they put the nails in his hands and in his feet? Were you there when they pierced him in his side? I was there because I was part of the reason why he had to be there. We were all there. Every one of us was there. Every one of us is responsible for him being there. He would not have had to go if one of us was exempt, if one of us could have made it to heaven without him. He would not have had to die. But every single one of us was there. And that is what we need to remember. That is what we need to think about and what we need to share with others as we explain why do you call this Good Friday. What is so good about a day when some martyr, some teacher, some philanthropist was put to death by the Romans back in the first century AD, Why, what, what's so good about that? Do you have an answer? If not, you need to be able to have an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have within you. And you also need to be able to share that with love and respect. God bless.